Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Um, Today we're joined to touch on the markets again very kindly by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for joining us today. Pleasure to be back again, Jonathan. Fantastic. So, um, Alan, as always, has got a couple of stocks that we will uh, discuss a little bit later on on the podcast. Um, But we will address some quite interesting corporate results in the FTSE 100 initially. So, we have had the first quarter results, and we are getting first quarter results from a lot of FTSE 100 companies. And of course, there is um, some impact and they're making guidance and outlying plans um, due to the spread of coronavirus. Uh, but the, the actual trading periods haven't been that negatively impacted um, due to the sort of timing of the, the first quarter and, and when the lockdown was put in. But there has been some signs from uh, certain companies. And the first of those that we're going to discuss today is Barclays. So Barclays Bank reported their first quarter results this morning. Shares are currently up 5%, um, just breaking above that £1 level. Um, I think they're trading about £1 and 3 pence just before we recorded, recorded this uh, yeah. podcast. Now that is quite a positive result, um, given that profit did drop um, to 0.9 billion. Now that's a reduction from the first quarter of 2019 um, down from 1.5 billion. Now I think the optimism really is coming from the fact that if Barclays didn't make a 2.1 billion pound provision for the impact of COVID-19, Profits for the first quarter pre-tax would have actually been three billion, so that would have been quite a significant jump on last year. Now, I think the question is, Alan, whether that two point one billion is actually going to be enough to cover any bad loans, and whether this is going to turn into a PPI style. Um, situation where each quarter, um, for probably just uh, 2020, they're putting aside further um, further cash to cover any bad loans. I mean, do you think that Barclays have you know put enough aside here, and, and do you think that um, you know the the jump today in the share price is warranted? Yeah, uh, I do, Jonathan, uh, uh, for a number of reasons. I mean, obviously, we've had the initiatives from the Chancellor. Um, the the uh, coronavirus business loan initiatives and um, of course the, these loans are underwritten by the government when, uh, when initially it was thought that the banks would have to bear the bear the cost and 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 the risk um, the government have now stepped up and they're putting putting more support behind it but regardless I think Barclays have made uh, a substantial provision in the accounts this morning. Um, and the share price has jumped to 104p. But that, that's, I, I think it's what, what's uh, equally important to remember is that the, the net asset value of Barclays actually increased in the quarter from £2.62 to £2.84. So the bank is still trading really 
well under its net asset value and um, has has done for some time. I mean, we're at the credit crunch lows now for the share price, but um, that to me is a pretty solid underlying performance. And uh, you take that provision out, as you say, the profits have actually risen in the quarter. Um, having said that, we've spoken in previous weeks about about uh, how the banks are facing a tough time uh, in so many areas, but legacy issues such as uh, such as the uh, PPI scandals and uh, you know Barclays dark pools uh, and um, some of the decisions it had made in the past, I think have largely been consigned to history under under the um, uh, under the watchful eye of James Staley CEO. So. Uh, I think this bank is still materially undervalued. And um, as we start to come out the other side of COVID-19, if they had to make more provisions, they will. But I don't expect it to materially impact on Barclays further going forward because I think there will be more support in place from the government. So, I mean, do do you think that, I mean, the impact of COVID-19 is largely priced in... And do you think that I mean this does tend to happen quite a lot with 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 all markets that the initial move to the downside was overdone and we've probably seen the bottom in Barclays and, and other banks or do you think that we might get a second wave of of selling caused by a second wave of, of COVID and investors should be a little bit cautious um, or is it a case of buying into that dip? Well, I think Jonathan, yeah, I mean we probably well, I'd like to think we've seen the worst for now, of course. Uh, you know, in events such as this, there's yeah always expect the unexpected, and um, there could be something around the corner that could send a seismic ripple through the markets and and drive them lower again. But um, what is interesting is that um, I've I, I also in my investment strategy hold uh, a, a number of funds, and prior to uh, prior to the the lockdown, I sold out of pretty well everything, and then started, as you know, to scale back in. I sold the funds and I've just gone back. I've kept a record of the prices every week. And uh, two of those funds, the Fidelity General Technology Fund, Global Technology Fund rather, and the Bailey Gifford Global Discovery Fund are now trading ahead of where I sold where I sold out. And bearing in mind, I sold out when the FTSE was at about 6,900. So, um, yeah, I, I think the... I, I think... The markets are are making progress. We're seeing we're seeing a great deal of activity in the AIM market too. At the at, 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 among small caps, you know, from companies potentially working on a cure or working on working on uh, um, uh, matters associated with the crisis. And of course, they're seeing they're seeing um, speculation inflate the share prices, and there's a huge amount of activity. So. Um, I, I think the great thing is we've got a market that's now probably fairly valued, and the volumes that we're seeing and and the the liquidity in the markets are are, are a reflection of that. Exactly. So, I mean, you did you did mention there um, sort of activities in related to COVID nineteen, which we'll we'll move on to uh, in regards to a company I know that you've you've been looking at. But um, before we do, obviously, there's a company that we, we want to obviously touch on, which um, is quite popular, and that is BP. Yeah. And that reported yesterday uh, in terms of the um, the earnings picture, very similar to Barclays, and as far as there was a drop in um, profitability for the, for the first quarter due to coronavirus. They've yeah. seen 
uh, a sort of one-two punch of um, the lower price in oil and obviously significant demand shock. The the holy grail for BP is their dividend, and sort of going into this this uh, this crisis, you know, there was no question about it. Still, um, they remain committed to that dividend. However, we did see quite a significant jump up in their net debt yesterday, yeah. which could start to um, raise some questions about the sustainability of that dividend so there's obviously two sides to this out and there's there's the argument that um you know they have quite a significant amount of cash which they can pay dividends out of um regardless of um you know any profitability but then there is the um argument that oil prices could remain low for an extended period which would probably put a lot of pressure on that thesis what would your view be Alan, on terms, if you're looking at BP for its dividend, what side of that argument would you tend to lean towards? Well, I, th- I think that BP and, well, I, I'll include Shell in this too, because um, those two companies are really the bellwethers of the investment industry in this country, you know, some of the largest companies in the world. And of course, their dividends really are the cornerstone for so many investment funds. Um, and uh, if they, they as when you're managing a company like that, that's also a consideration because if if BP or Shell um, showed any signs of axing or cutting the dividend, I think the there'd be a ripple effect on the on the rest of the FTSE 100 and the markets because because I think investors would take fright. They take the view that goodness me, BP and Shell are cutting their dividends. We really are. We really must be uh, seeing the end of the world. Um, it, it's almost almost that bad. Bear in mind, you know, I mean, Shell in particular has paid a paid a, 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 a dividend every year since the Second World War throughout every crisis. So, um, so you know, th- that's important to bear in mind. Um, but obviously, uh, BP will cut costs um, as they go forward. The debt could rise, and they may get to a situation next quarter where they have no choice. And obviously, you know, we've we've we're all fully aware of the um, of the the fact that they're actually giving oil away or, or, or paying you to take it away a few weeks ago. And there are still, as I understand, uh, super tankers anchored off Southern California, um, which effectively are are acting as floating storage facilities. So, so it, you know, the, the oil price is, is still very low. Clearly, you know, um, that the BP and Shell share prices don't necessarily. Uh, directly reflect the price of crude because uh, because of their mix of activities. But that's going to if low oil prices are sustained uh, for periods of time, which they they could well be given the um, given that uh, Saudi seems intent on continuing uh, to to uh, to um, to uh, 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 bring the oil out of the ground um, at the rate it's currently doing. Then of course we we could face a crisis with these companies. In the next quarter, but um, for now, certainly, um, you know, looking at the looking at the the uh, share price performances of both companies on the market and BP, I think um, I, I think we're okay for now. Exactly, I, th- I think I have to to lean that way as well, Alan. I think looking at the cash they have in both companies 
and the, the amount that they're paying out and the likelihood that oil does rebound, maybe maybe not back up to sort of $60, $70, but gets back up to sort of around $40 as the US economy starts to open up again. That does relieve any pressure um, on the cash flows of those companies. So again, I'm sure that's going to be something that we touch on in the future. Um, but moving on, Alan, you have again two very interesting companies. Uh, one of them I think we have discussed previously and one one is a new one to the uk investor magazine podcast um but so we'll start off with tiziana alan um interesting developments as a company that's working um very much um you know driving this fight against covid19 so what's the latest from them well um just to recap on them uh, um tiziana are developing uh um what uh, I suppose it, the 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 terminology is very scientific, uh, scientific, but to distill it down, they're they're using a fully human molecular treatment for to, to treat uh, diseases that they have some, some flagship products uh, um, for in the field of Crohn's disease, Nash's disease, fatty liver disease, and they've developed, as I say, a, a, a fully human molecular. A solution for this and um, they've also developed and patented nasal and oral delivery systems for to, to administer these drugs um, through the uh, through the their research and uh, the development and the trials they've been undertaking one of the uh, one of the drugs they were working on tzls 501 they realized had an application because it inhibited the production of il6 which is the fluid that the lungs produce when patients reach the chronic stage of the COVID-19 disease. Um, so they are working on and and they're working flat out at the moment, developing and uh, bringing um, a version of this drug into testing so it can hopefully be used for patients. But on Monday this week, they announced that uh, they'd also filed a patent application for a, a, another, a, a, another um, drug in the field that can be used in potentially in conjunction with TZLS501, um, nanoparticle actinim, um, and it, it's, a, it's an antibody drug approved initially for infectious diseases in the US. And uh, they've realized that in comparisons in tests and then uh, undergoing various trials, this also has an application to treat COVID-19 patients. So they filed a patent on Monday in this regard uh, um, it, it deals with the uncontrolled immune response to to the uh, to, to to the disease, and as I say, they expect to be able to use TCLS five hundred one and NPACT-D, as they call it, to inhibit the proliferation and to suppress the inflammation in the lungs, uh, resulting from from uh, chronic cases of COVID nineteen. So shares are currently trading around fifty p. Uh, it's got a market cap of seventy six million. Um, not far above where it has been. So I, you know, I think, given the given the uh, the, the uh, sharp rises we've seen for so many pharmaceutical and biotech companies working in this space, I think Tiziana could very well be on the launch pad. And if we see this drug get to market in the next few months, then the share price could very well take off. Indeed. So I mean, this is obviously one of the companies, and there's probably ten or twenty listed here 
in the UK which have some involvement in the fight against COVID-19. Um, you know, hopefully one of those um, comes up with a magic bullet and that'll be very exciting mm. um, for the enterprise. And of course, it will have a, a huge impact on the, the human tragedy as well that we're seeing in COVID-19. So that's going to be watched very, very, yeah. watched very, very closely. Um, and, and I'm sure as, uh, as, as we do more podcasts through um, this crisis, we will cover um, some of the other shares that are um, coming up with some very, uh, very positive developments to, uh, to fight COVID-19. So um, we're going to finish off with one company, Alan. Now, this is one that is sort of operating in uh, quite, quite an interesting sector, but in particular, it's using a material and utilising the technology of a material that was, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, it was uh, on, on the end of everyone's tongues in terms of the next big thing. And that's um, that material is graphene uh, and the company's Viserion. So they, uh, just looking um, at, the, uh, at the share price and just recapping where they've been, uh, before the podcast, they've had a huge rally since the lows that they saw due to the sell-off. I think they went down to about yeah. 20p, now trading at about 59p. Yeah. Uh, very significant jump there, but they've they, they have been making some updates, Alan. So what do they look like? Okay, so uh, j- just just to summarise, I mean, Viserion, yeah, as you rightly say, they're involved in graphene. And over the past uh, five to ten years, they've, they've acquired a series of companies to produce or, or, or to, to deliver the rounded offering they delivered they they, uh, they offer today um, 2d technology um, it applies science to technology um, and it has a number of uh, derivatives of the the graphene so microlayer graphene uh, enhanced polymer uh, graphene and then a powder version then they have the company Cambridge graphene which produces a series of graphene inks and uh, conductive inks um, Syroma, which uh, gen- which builds pla- uh, graphene enhanced plastic products and injection molding and vacuum molding, and a company called Total Carbide, which um, uh, manufactures Simpson tungsten carbide and that's using wear resistant parts uh, such as uh, drill heads, um, nozzles, and also has the applications in defense and aerospace too. Plus, they have US Arm Viserian Graphene Texas, but the the the, the big benchmark event uh, that has taken place that they they basically uh, um, uh, a few weeks back um, uh, came to a, a funding agreement with a company called Landstead where they raised six million pounds um, and uh, both both Vasarian and also Landstead Capital stand to benefit from price appreciation from the companies that goes forward this was arranged uh, this was arranged a few uh, a few weeks back and then uh, on Monday, uh, at the, uh, the beginning, beginning of last week, the company announced that 2D Technology had uh, had basically entered an agreement with Rolls Royce to develop uh, the the uh, the graphene layers um, into into Rolls Royce applications in engineering. That's aero engines. That's the and a range of other other technologies examining conductivity and all all of the elements that uh, 2D undertake and Rolls Royce you know had you know both Rolls Royce and and Versailles and said they were incredibly excited by the possibilities here but I think actually you know it it's a uh, given as you rightly said Jonathan a few years ago you know graphene was all the rage and then you know it seems to have 
it's, it hasn't withered on the vine, but it just seems to have drifted. This is a, a huge endorsement by by a massive global brand name, Rolls Royce, of the technology. And uh, clearly, uh, you know, we're at early stages at the moment, but um, hope we can see um, some some developments on on, on this in, in the coming months. But um, yeah, it's not a COVID nineteen play, but I think um, I think it's important to look at. Uh, there are other opportunities out there. We've discussed mining opportunities and various other uh, examples of com- companies that are on the cusp of uh, company changing events. And uh, you know, Vasarin, I think, with the the Rolls Royce uh, 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 collaboration, um, could be another company in that uh, in that uh, in, in that position. Exactly. I mean, I think obviously we're uh, we're in an unprecedented uh, sort of crisis to some extent in the economy. But I mean, it is important, I think, as you mentioned there, Alan, to look at companies like this because they're very much preparing um, for the world on the other side. And I'm sure they will present um, and, and investors with a number of opportunities going forward as they as they start to ramp uh ramp their activities up again yeah. as the, as the UK and obviously the world gets back to to normal activities when that may be uh, remains to be seen um, but of course these these businesses are still operating and uh, coming up some very very interesting and exciting updates so I'm sure that's one that we'll touch on again uh, in, a, in another podcast so just uh, just as a note to wrap up the um, the podcast, um, we did mention uh, how many downloads we've been having of the UK Investor Magazine um, app, which again has been relatively um, strong in the last week. And we will start to be doing live presentations from a number of companies um, in the coming weeks and months. So do download that because you'll be sent uh, notifications of when they will be uh, available when you'll be able to uh, to click in there and have a look at, at what some of these companies are doing. So, Alan, again, thank you very much for, for joining us today. Thank you, Jonathan. Fantastic. So, um, as, uh, as we mentioned, this is available on the Amazon Alexa um, as well as the UK Investor Magazine.